I'm sure you've heard about it, that this this horrific video that was released in the out of the United States. This is from an incident uh, earlier in the month, around January 7th in Memphis, with a black man who was beaten to death by five police officers. Uh, all of the police officers were black. And so, but people are still talking about there there being sort of in in systemic racism within police services, regardless of uh, of, of the color of the officers themselves. So there are five officers who have been fired, uh, and then possibly charges down the road here. And there's a couple more officers who've now been disciplined. Some emergency responders have also been fired in connection with the death. Uh, shortly after we found out that the, this video was going to be be released, you had a number of. Canadian police chiefs uh, come out all across the country and and condemn that violent beating and saying just how this is not what police work is and then they completely condemned it. Tried to get out in front of it, certainly, and, and absolutely what they said was correct. The question is, is it enough? And is this even a conversation that we should be having about our police forces here North of the border. I don't remember the last time we heard about anyone being beaten to death. There have been incidents about tasers and maybe some police abuse, but actually beaten to death in what looked like a swarming? Certainly not here north of the border. But is is extreme violence the only measure that we have for looking at our police forces here in Canada and saying maybe some reform needs to be made? It's interesting to sort of compare and contrast and and look and be thankful that we don't have big stories come through like this here in Canada. Uh, but does that mean that we operate a perfect system? I don't think so. No. Uh, we're going to talk about it right now with uh, the director of the Black Studies Institute at the University of Windsor, Dr. Natalie Delea Deckard, is joining the show. Uh, doctor, good morning. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Always glad to, to have a part in the public discourse. Yeah, I think this is a really this is an important conversation to have, but I think this one stems from uh, an interesting point about the fact that I don't know if this video is as widely watched as others that are quite similar to this. There was a big push in Memphis to get this video released, and I'm seeing from a lot of people that they're refusing to watch it because this is an incident that is it mirrors others that we've seen in the past and you don't necessarily need to watch the video to understand the the horror that surrounds it i'm curious have you have you watched the video what was your what was your reaction to it if you had or even just this story I say this with absolutely no pride and in the spirit of confession i have watched the video i think that most people who are saying that they will not are are taking the correct position we should not have to directly witness that type of that type of violence that type of trauma to actually know that that this is a problem we don't force the victims of i i could name sexual assault i could name mass shootings Right? to bleed on camera in order to understand that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Always when we talk about uh, police violence against black people particularly, there's this push to watch it. And I really question that. I, I think some people say that how can you, that it's the guttural reaction that prompts change, that otherwise you could just sort of whitewash. I'm sure I'm sure it's horrible, but it doesn't stick in your mind. It doesn't, it doesn't sort of become a part of you, which I guess that would be the only argument. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just trying to wrap my head around what the argument might be, is that it would then truly make you want to act to do something. 
was the argument that Mamie Till made about the death of her son Emmett Till before the civil rights movement in the United States and why she published open casket or open um, casket uh, images in then black and white in Jet magazine. And I think that when we understand the complete dehumanization of African Americans in the United States before the civil rights movement, I would never disagree with Mamie Till's decision. We are 70 years past that. And I'm wondering why we're still having that conversation. Yeah, and it does seem to be one that we've had that we've had before. And it's so it's so frustrating, I think, that we're we're still here. We're still talking about it. Yes, this is something that happened in the States. We're in Canada, where luckily stories like this one aren't something that that cut through. But, you know, as we mentioned on the outset, Doc, I don't know that because we don't hear about beating deaths here in Canada, that it doesn't mean that we have a perfect system. Can you can you sort of walk us down that path and compare and contrast what's happening in the States versus what's happening in Canadian police forces and what needs to change here? Sure, absolutely. Uh, we are not okay. Right? The number of Indigenous people, the number of racialized people, and the number of Black people who have been killed by police um, in Canada is absolutely not zero. It is uh, much smaller right, than the United States, as is our population. Um, but we are not in a completely different conversation. The idea that, for example, in the northeastern states of the U.S., this is less of a problem than in the southeast, means that we're on a spectrum. Right? of violence against the same marginalized communities. And that is not a spectrum that the Canadians are separate from. I heard a, a reasonably good quote the other day talking about how the British Commonwealth had its own U.S. South, and that was the Anglophone Caribbean. I, I think that a good understanding of the way that colonization happened from Patagonia to the Yukon as part of North American and South American conquest by Europeans means that any border that we drew and agreed on finally in the in the early 80s doesn't absolve Canada from its history. And our policing shows that. Here in Windsor, we have similar figures to what we have in most of Canada, where uh, black people are 350% as likely as their white counterparts to have force used against them by police. That is, just by walking in my body, I am more than three times as likely than if I were white to have force used against me by the police services. That's a stunning statistic and one that we have to confront. In many ways, the police service uh, statements regarding, this, regarding the killing in Memphis is a distancing. Look at what they're doing in the U.S. You should be grateful that we're not doing this here. We condemn what they are doing there. And make ourselves, in contrast, right, seem better. I would really question that as a member of the tax-paying Canadian public. It's just not good enough. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating uh, uh, insight into, into that point of view. I'm curious, often, and I've seen it already over the last few days, uh, people say, well, those were five black police officers who ended up swarming on a black man. That racism, obviously, obviously, since they were, they were black police officers, didn't in, enter into it. The, the, the question, though, that people have risen, have raised is that it is it becomes systemic within the system. Mm-hmm. And so because they were officers, that that was something that, that, that perhaps 
allowed them or drove them or gave them some thought that there was there was permission to do so. That their race had nothing to do with it. The systemic racism within the police force in that area is what did it. I, I would absolutely agree with the second point. The idea that because these were black officers, this isn't about racism, is patently ridiculous. Organizational culture is a real thing. There are whole departments in business schools that study this, the, the the ways that different organizations, different agencies, take on a character of their own. When we talk about the history and presence of policing in Canada, in the Americas, we're talking about an institution that's built on who protects from who. In in what are what are the agencies that are in charge of making sure that per, that particular power systems endure? Right? The idea that because these individual police officers were black, right, they're not being racist right, when they beat a black man to death is, to my mind, completely ignorant of history and completely ignorant of the way that organizations work. Uh, rather, they would have had the biggest incentive mm. to to enact that violence in order to prove themselves a part of the organization. And that's not even particular to policing. That's the way that organizations work. Those closest to the the boundaries of the organization try their best to center themselves. We see it again and again. It's such a great point to make. And I think when you when you take a step back and you look at some of the training for these officers, I mean, target practice, for example, is it, it takes place on caricatures of African-American people. I, it, I mean, it's it's right from the, I think, beginning of their inception into the police force, that sort of systemic racism. And it's interesting, the point that you make about trying to, to fit in and be part of this group and sort of be accepted within a system. I think major reform is the only way forward. Would you agree? Absolutely. How can we reconceive of police forces in Canada so that everyone has to be protected equally and that right, everyone right, can be understood as, as, as a potential threat right, to the peace of all communities. I think without structural change from the level of leadership, I know from the existing literature, from the research, from what's been done in criminology, right, that without that leadership change, without that structural reform, we're just we're just going to be watching or not watching mm-hmm. these videos for over years to come. And even if we haven't had an incident like that in Canada to that level and with that kind of video backing it up, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't mean we couldn't end up going down that road. So now is the time to ensure that we don't get to that extreme. I know you've already mentioned that there are issues and we have some issues. You don't want to go farther down that road. So is this a good wake-up call then? And uh, and what do you think uh, immediate change might look like, if at all? I ask myself this not only as a public servant, not only as a professor, not only as a person. Right? How can I consistently be part of an incremental solution rather than part of an incremental problem? I know that shrugging it off and saying, oh, well, it's worse there, so I guess we're fine, is being part of an incremental problem. And that's not a moral position. That's not an ethical position. I think that it's extraordinarily important that we, we understand we live in a democracy. 
And we consistently demand that all of our public institutions, and especially our police, that so often have power over life and death, are accountable to all of us in the community. Doctor, thank you That's so much. Step forward. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, great perspective. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Again, right, it's 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 extremely important to remain part of a, of an active public discourse. So thank you for the opportunity. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.